Welcome back to Round 12, the podcast that will always be dedicated to growth, development, and motivational mastery. I am your host, Sensei Roger B. Hamilton. Thank you for joining us again today for another episode of the Round 12 podcast series. Let's go get it. Visualization. As I was getting ready for work, I would have my favorite cup of coffee and I would enjoy it on my balcony. It was my ritual. I would sit down and instead of looking out at the amazing view I had, I would look down at the parking lot and imagine that one day it would be my fitness gym's parking lot. It was 2009 and the height of the recession. And while everybody's, you know, seeking stability, you know, on the level of their family and their job. I was having these intense visions of my potential in fitness. And so, I mean, they were, they, they were crowding everything that I was doing. I could not stop thinking about fitness. And so, you know, one day, without approval from my family, my bank account, <laughs> my landlord, uh, I went ahead and I, I resigned. And that next Monday, I was out teaching boot camp. That was the parking lot. I was out teaching boot camp to 16 ladies at the beach. You know, every single morning for a full year before I decided to make that decision to leave my job, I was out there visualizing. It didn't stop after I made that decision. In fact, it intensified. I think because I was taking the steps towards the vision, it was being unfolded even more. Every vision would unfold just a little bit more and it was becoming real. You know, I, I remember having this, um, this lucid dream where you're, you're asleep, but you're like awake also within the dream. And I was teaching a boot camp class and after it was over, I asked everybody to sit down and do what we do now, these mental fitness seminars where we were talking about the things that makes us want to eat when we're not even hungry. You know, what are the feelings and the beliefs that go into the behaviors of driving past the gym on the way home, even though we said today's the day and we got the gym bag in the bag? You know, the relationships that are disjointed, possibly with family members, the, the, the failed marriages, the lost, of lo lost loved ones, you know, those moments that you just don't know what to do with. That's what we would sit down and talk about that leads to numbing, that leads to the self-sabotage. And so I taught that boot camp every single day for five months that summer, but then the winter was coming and, you know, I had to figure that out. So what do you do as a new entrepreneur with no resources? <laughs> you turn to Facebook. <laughs> Does anybody know a place that I can sublease? I didn't have any money. Sublease in Chicago. And nothing came back for a full, like, couple of days. Matter of fact, a couple of weeks. You know, it was in that third week that one address came back. And this was not in the part of town that you just jump at. This was uh, in a part, of, this is a neighborhood affectionately called Terror Town. 
So, you know, I, I don't have any money. I'm like, well, I might be able to work this out. Let me go see. Let me check it out. I was following the vision. I felt in alignment. And I drive up. And the first thing that I notice are these windows, huge windows on the outside that had been painted white. And then somebody etched these amazing like swirls, this, this design, it looked like, like magical wind was blowing through. That was what the design looked like on the outside. And I said, hmm, this is interesting. So I walk in and I'm approached by this little small woman, like she's small in stature, about five feet, and she had this little tiny voice. And she says, hi, Ashanti, it's so great to meet you. We've been waiting for you. I'm like, oh, okay. I walk in, and oh my gosh, you guys. Wow. It's this amazing loft. It's an old art gallery, 18-foot ceilings, exposed brick, open floor plan. I don't know if you guys can see this, but there's doors on the ceiling. It had a, a rock garden. I'm like, what is this place? I'm walking around. And I, I, she couldn't even show me the last room before I'm like, how much you want for this place? And I'll never forget, she turns around and she says, well, Ashanti, how much can you afford? Who says that? <laughs> but I'm panicking inside because I'm like, I don't, I, I don't want to insult this woman. This is my space. I can feel it in my soul. Like, this is it. So I just blurted out, I got $400. And she says, deal. <laughs> so after I tackled this woman with a big hug, um, I just got on my grind, you guys. That full year, I was a one-woman force. I mean, I taught every single class on the this, on this schedule, over 30 classes a week. I mopped the floors, I answered the phones, I did all the marketing, created posters, went to trade shows, went to people's houses to personal train them. They come to my house, personal train them there. I created mental fitness seminars, weight loss challenges. And by that second year, I was smart enough to create a team. <laughs> Lord, <laughs> that's when things really exploded. You know, our fitness classrooms were just packed. It was insane. You know, our boot camps went from 16 people to over 150 people. <laughs> Thank you. Our weight loss challenges went from four people to over 200 people. These are people that hit goal. We were starting a fitness movement on the South Side. And, you know, to date, we've helped Chicagoland lose over 20,000 pounds. Thank you. So one day, I'm driving to the gym, and I pull into the parking lot. And I'm faced with an undeniable sight. That parking lot looked just like the one that I envisioned all those years on my balcony. That vision came to reality. And so my talk today is about the power of visualization. My ask of you is to start to put some intention on your visions. So let me ask you guys a question. How many of you know exactly what you want out of, your, out of this lifetime? 
Okay, there's a few hands out there. So you guys are probably visualizing, even if you don't really know what that is, um, or even if you do. But for the rest of us, how would you like to answer that question today? All right, let's do it. So there's three benefits of visualizing. The first is you're able to clarify what you want. It's not the act of creation because you already know what you want. You just may not have created the space to allow it to come up. That's what I was doing on that balcony. It came up. You create that vision or you allow the vision to come up. But then you can also clarify, once you've clarified the vision, the energy that you've placed around that vision. There's the vision, but there's an energy that you've placed around it. And if, in fact, it becomes, or you notice it's an energy that is negative, that's tainting the vision, visualization provides the opportunity to root that out. Okay, so let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I work in fitness, right? People come to see me when they want to lose weight. Ashanti, I'm ready to lose this weight. I'm getting rid of this stomach. I'm going to do some things, you know. That's what happens, right? So I say, cool, let's do it. How much weight do you want to lose? And all of a sudden, the conversation shifts. Well, I mean, I don't want to be a slave to the scale. I just want to get healthy. I just want to feel better, right? You guys know what happens. And so I just ask one question. Have you been the weight that you're trying to go towards before? And nine times out of 10, the answer is yes. Okay, well, what is that, what is that number? They do the math, so they've clarified the vision, they know where they wanna be, they've done the math to get that number, and then all of a sudden, again, the conversation shifts. Well, I don't know that I you know, wanna be that small again, I was younger, I didn't have kids, you know, I've got, I'm busy now, I got practice, you know, I gotta go back to school, I've got, I got all these things to do, I can't be in the gym like that. So they've created the vision, they know the number, but then the energy around is I can't do it. I'm older now, my, my time is not available. So it becomes an opportunity for you to practice the mental fitness to root out that negativity so that you can fully go towards that vision that you want to create for yourself. So how would you guys like to do it? It's one thing to talk about it. It's a whole other thing to experience it. So I want you guys to close your eyes. In your mind's eye, go to the place that you feel most comfortable, a quiet place, some place that you're uninterrupted. You know, my place was the balcony, some place that you go when you just need to check out from the rest of the world. You can be totally yourself. It's safe. Go there in your mind's eye and bring in as much detail to that space as possible. And I want you to have a seat. So if you're sitting on the floor, I want you to feel the hardwood below your feet. If you're sitting on a cushion, feel that. If you're sitting in a chair, feel the armrest. You're sitting there. How does the, the air feel in the room? Bring it as much detail as possible. Studies show that if you can quiet your mind, you're more likely to visualize. So be there. Stay there. Breathe into that space. 
And now I want to pick one area of your life that you would like to visualize a manifestation of it actually happening right in this moment. Pick one area of your life you would like to visualize. Now, if you're not sure what that is, I'm going to give you three options. Just pick one. The first area is in the, on the level of physicality. I'd like to change my body, whether it be losing weight, whether it be gaining weight, gaining muscles. Maybe you have an injury that you would like to be healed completely. Maybe you have some dis-ease going on within your body that you'd like to be free from. Imagine yourself walking without the pain. Imagine yourself with the flat stomach. Imagine yourself there, fully go there. The second area is choosing to resolve a conflict in your life. Maybe you have some strife with a family member, friend, or at work. Maybe you just like to be more punctual and have better time management skills and resolve that conflict. Fully feel that happening right now and bring in detail to it giving that person a hug, whatever that might look like for you. And the third area is gonna be accomplishing a goal. Maybe you've started it or maybe it has not been begun at all, but imagine it fully coming to pass. It is realized right now. Stay there, continue to focus on your breathing and bring in as much detail to the manifestation of it happening right now. What does it look like as the goal has been achieved? What are you wearing without the disease? What do you do with your life now that you're free of it? It's never coming back. Visualize it. What are you doing now with that friend that you've now made amends with? My vision was having these people have a seat on the floor and us doing these, this mental fitness. 50% of us are visual, meaning the whole other half of this room needs to feel the feeling of an emotion, joy, strength, support. My vision with everyone doing mental fitness, the room was hot because we had just worked out. It was a little wet in the room because we were sweating. The, the mirrors were steamed up. As people are sharing their success stories, you know, they're laughing and giving each other high fives and people are drinking water. I saw that. As somebody was sharing something more vulnerable, the room got a little bit more quiet and more tight. Bring in all of those experiences. Fully stay there. Bring in another person that benefits from your vision. That will make it more real for you. Now breathe into that visualization. You are there. Breathe right now in that space. Now is there any other energy that is tainting that vision, holding you back. What red tape might be there, if any? Maybe you have none. See if you can let that go and stick with the vision. And now just for the sake of time, go ahead and twiddle your fingers, twiddle your toes, and slowly open your eyes when you're ready. I hope that you guys feel really accomplished because your mind was fully there and it knows no different from it actually happening. You are a creator. Creators must create. So create, this visualization is gonna help you to determine what you want, and then the mental fitness will help you to root out any sort of negativity so that you can fully realize your vision. Thank you.
It was around April of the year, 1993. My new wife, Val, was about two months pregnant. She woke up first that morning, was having tea at the dining room table. Leading up to now, in many ways, I had accepted what marriage and fatherhood meant, but I was reluctant. I was on edge. I was nervous. And I was secretly scared to death. Afraid that I might mess up that I might not be worthy or capable, that I might just make the kinds of mistakes that I had seen others make, that my own misguided examples of family and support had imprinted me with, and my tools would not be sharp enough to cut through this wood. To be honest, I wasn't ready. But something important had just happened to me. In my sleep, where I had no control over the message being delivered to me, and no influence on whether I could accept the message or not. This was so much bigger than my figuratively small human mind and body. It seems that I had been selected, chosen, designated, destined by universal powers to do a job. I had a dream. I woke up that morning feeling emotional and somehow feeling different. I had a pronounced vision in my head as I lie there half awake in bed, and I couldn't get rid of it. As many times it happens, you awake from sleeping, remember your dream briefly, and it drifts away shortly after, and you move on with your day. But this morning, I couldn't just move on with my day. As a matter of fact, my life would never be the same again. I have tears welling up in my eyes right now, as it happens every time I ever remember or recount this story. This vision was so much bigger than me, so much more important than any goals or desires I'd ever had. My life immediately changed that morning. My eyes were bulging as I sat up in our queen-size bed, spun toward the edge, and dropped my feet to the floor. I sat there at the corner of the bed with my mind spinning, my heart pounding, and a profound sense of clarity, purpose, and a crazy, unique, but absolute certainty pounding inside my head. I had never had a feeling like that in my life. I had never had an image move me so much. I saw him and I saw my future. I stood up as straight as an arrow and stared at the mirror in the adjoining bathroom. I saw myself, and I didn't even look the same anymore. The room didn't even look the same anymore. That eerily quiet dream had plunged a dagger of purpose into my very soul. And as God is my witness, I have never been the same. Instead of the dagger drawing blood and killing me, it served as an injection of unusual adrenaline and power. I floated out of the bedroom and walked slowly toward my wife sitting calmly at the dining room table. She glanced upward to see me staring at her. She looked away and quickly did a double take to look at me again. What's wrong? She said quietly. I didn't speak. I only stared at her with a perplexed look on my face and small tear bubbles in my eyes. Roger, what's wrong with you? She said again. I still hesitated. 
It seemed that the words needed to be honored and chosen carefully before I spoke. I could feel myself breathe in gently and gather just the right amount of outward breath to say the words that even myself was shocked with to say. I saw him, I muttered methodically. I saw him, I said quietly again. I saw our son. There was a significant silence in the room. Neither of us spoke, and I don't think either one of us knew what was happening. Maybe Roger is just going crazy, she might have thought. But I wasn't going crazy. I was locking in. Well, we finished that interaction after I made my point conclusively that the visualization I had just witnessed would define all that I do from here. I made it very clear that I was never going to forget this day and I would forever represent my raison d'etre, a French way of saying my reason for being. As quoted eloquently by Mark Twain, the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Well, there you go. With all this emotional, spiritual, inspirational, and maybe even divine talk of vision and purpose, there was now the task of getting it done, of moving the needle forward, of making a difference, of leading the way, of representing what leadership and maybe even what manhood truly is. Why do I share all of this metaphysical stuff? Why is it important? Because somehow I was put in touch with something beautiful. And in an effort to make this podcast a potential tool for myself, other men, and even other women, I lay out my story like I suggested I might do from as early as our first episode. As a man and a father, this unique occurrence tool took away all excuses. There was no more reason to do anything but pursue understanding, loyalty, and greatness within. I am pleased beyond measure and moved beyond definition to express that when my beautiful son Omar was born on that morning at 9.18 a.m., it was him. I swear to you, it was him. I stood there holding him and staring into his eyes again, and he into mine, just like the dream.
And then it started. Every forward move came with vision first. We all went to sleep later that evening and woke up as a team. I learned some very valuable and wonderful lessons growing to this child's father, to the point where after spending so much close quarter time and interacting so much, when my son was nearly three, I sat quietly in a dark room and asked God himself to please let us build him a brother so the two of them could always know that somebody else in the world knows the drill, knows what we tried to do, and knows just how crazy and inspired their father was. Just in case, they would always have each other. As the most amazing and ultimate gift, our new son, Ali, came along with his brother Omar watching him be born at 7.14 p.m. that evening in September. After I drove 100 miles per hour to get to the hospital in Berkeley, California, where we three burst through the door and were rushed upstairs to a less than 30-minute berth that just had to be. Ali insisted on making his way out, and he was not going to wait for anyone or anything. He represented something so special that the only name grand enough and grateful enough was Ali. It's then that our amazing journey truly began. So we got busy. Diapers and feedings and sniffles and doctor's appointments and preschool and kindergarten and watching the Lion King movie together over and over again. And who could forget religiously watching Michael Jordan NBA games together where even our toddler was amazed like the rest of us at what that man could do on a basketball court. Parents learning, kids growing, consistent challenges. Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is not a job for the faint of heart or the undedicated. When I say the word fatherhood, I ain't playing. Even the very word stimulates me to feel that crazy burst of passion. And no matter how many times I think about these occurrences or tell this story, it never gets old. Then, when he was seven years old, one random afternoon out of nowhere, Omar walked up to me like a protruding young root on a mature grown tree and said very firmly, I think I'm ready. When I responded, ready for what? He he seemed almost insulted that I would even ask. I'm ready to start karate, he barked, as if I should have already known. After watching me train while rocking in his baby seat until he fell asleep, and for seven years on many days and nights, when it was just him and me in the house, or on the patio, or at the park, or at the boxing gym, he had decided not to wait for me to invite him any longer. I acknowledged and agreed, but in an effort not to be an overwhelming dad, I would enroll him with a seasoned instructor associate of mine. But when that did not work to Omar's taste, we started a school in our garage. And at three and a half years old, Ali became a student as well, in a house we later purchased. Then we purchased another home and started another school. Then we increased our membership and redesigned our logo, our marketing materials, our curriculum, our methodology, our identity, and turned our small training environment into a top-notch and comfortable Class A dojo. Then, at six and nine years old, 
the two boys became national competitive champions and completed and competed successfully for consecutive years to come. Then the ball started really rolling. After taking two years to build a detailed business plan, we incorporated our business. Then we leased a brand new building, then built an amazing, beautiful, and exceptionally functional teaching environment where we taught and inspired many other people, child and adult, family and friend. We taught traditional Japanese karate, and we taught wrestling and kickboxing and social etiquette and life skills. We made our small attempt to make the world better, one student at a time. As fate would have it, in the year 2008, after a very powerful recession, the whole world seemed to come to an economic end and we suffered difficult times for our business, but we kept going. We kept our school alive, moved locations, then moved locations again, then moved locations again, but we stayed together and we got it done. We were a true and united team. And these boys who became men on the road to accomplishment and conquest were at my side the entire time, learning, growing, and contributing to the growth and development of others. Not really knowing that teaching adult classes at 10 years old and me creating their respective resumes around the same time would matter at all, but it did matter. These partners of mine became men, looking up and standing up to represent what we had learned together. But not before we founded and started our own regional martial arts tournament event then enlarged it to represent a highly respected and very well attended national tournament event with hundreds of dedicated martial artists in attendance. Then we took our show on the road and built a national tournament hosted in Los Angeles with Disneyland as a prime sponsor. But that wasn't enough. In a spontaneous and inspired effort to honor the man in New Jersey, my home state, who passed away and who presented me my hard-earned karate black belt, we built another tournament event, took it on the road to host it on the waterfront in the shore city of Wildwood, New Jersey. In the end, we went on to host that trademarked event called the Bushido Open for nine straight years as a family team and placed a firm imprint on the world of athletic and martial arts competition. So many great circumstances, opportunities, and relationships were built from what began as a dream. A quiet, simple, gentle dream of me staring into this baby's eyes and squeezing his little meat leg for the entire night I slept. He is now 25 and flourishing. His brother is now 21 and flourishing. Their mother as a world-traveled professional flight attendant is flourishing, and I am reflective, grateful, honored, and certain beyond all measure that creative visualization is real. If you can see it, you can be it. Don't put limitations on your scope and vision because you haven't done it before. That's okay. Just get to work and follow your dreams. Allow yourself to believe and many great things can happen. But remember now, ideas are funny little things. They don't work unless you do. And after the dream, you have to wake up and get busy.
Thank you for joining us again today for another episode of Round 12. May you live as long as you want and never want as long as you live. May the worst days of your future be like the best days of your past. And may you continue to answer life's bell every time. Until we meet again, time!